Hello and welcome to episode four of the Physique Coaching Podcast. I'm joined today by Stephen Keane again, and today we're going to be talking about exercise selection for beginners, advanced, as well as some of our experiences early on in the gym as well, especially around this and mistakes that we have made. Yeah, why don't, why don't we start off there? Why don't we talk about what we done when we first started training? Uh, because there's, there's a lot of um, dodgy, dodgy training there. There's some very dodgy training. Yeah. I think um, my first, actually, my first bit into training, I pretty much just did circuits, like non-stop yeah. circuits, the circuits of like deadlifts, squats, but like not lightweight circuits either, like proper get your sweat on. Yeah. Because you're doing squats and deadlifts together, which is... That's brutal, yeah. Um, it's, it's things you don't even like now you think about it think about like axial load systemic fatigue and all these things like you're looking back at like why the hell would I do that yeah we basically still, we all start off doing booty pump classes don't we we, we all start off not even meaning to doing a pump session and then that's it <laughs> well, I think I, I started um, it was an old pair of weights and my dad's that had in the garage I pretty much just done some like curls and like shoulder presses like tricep extensions like copying bits out of like men's health or bodybuilding.com before i actually then start started training in a gym and the gym I, the gym i joined at was across the road from my school and i was you had to be like 16 or 15 or 16 or something to be able to do like weight training or be allowed to do it but you could get a membership to do cardio and things like that so i got, I got a membership when i was like uh, 14 or 15 I was like I wasn't at the age yet but uh, I just went in there and started doing weight training anyway we all know that if you pick up a weight before the age of 15 it will um, great. it will it will that's why I'm so short uh, yeah, essentially the same thing <laughs> yeah we're not good advertisements for that are we <laughs> well by the way that, that it will probably will not start you great you'll be absolutely fine yeah no <laughs> uh, I first off had a venture into weights in my front room um, with a barbell that I assume came from Argos, cost no more than 50 pounds with a bench press. Yeah. Uh, that my dad specifically told me never to go on to, uh, which obviously he went away for a little while, so I went on to. <laughs> and got stuck underneath 40 kilos. And I had to do the, the famous... The little wiggle. Yeah, 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 but the only problem was the knurling was right in the middle of the bar. Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't have a top on because obviously I'm, I'm like 13, 14. I want to <laughs> check out my games. I want to see what I'm working with. Yeah. Um, I had to slide the bar off with the knurling, pulling all of my skin as it goes. And then, yeah. I not any hair then either, so it would just be like raw skin. Literally, I lost the nipple. It's cold. <laughs> Um, and I did just not make eye contact with my dad for a week afterwards because my chest was all ripped up and I had to go jump. And it was it was July, so that was weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think a lot of people make these mistakes early off in training. Um, even with the amount of information that's out there now, good information, everyone starts off training, training muscles they want to grow. And it's not inherently bad, but when, when we're not training other muscles as well, that's when it becomes a bit of an issue. Chest and, chest and biceps, Monday, yep. Friday, 
Wednesday as well. And then there was a little bit of time for, no, there was no other time. It was just chest and biceps. But the interesting thing is that at that age, like you are probably doing so much work. Cause I mean, a bicep workout isn't just a bicep workout, is it? You do like 21s, you do drop sets, you do everything you can think of to cause as much discomfort as you can think of. And you're probably actually doing way too much volume to actually ever have uh, any kind of adaptive stimulus actually presented to you. You're just going to spend all your time yeah. done. You're essentially hitting the stalemate. So the, the only two muscles you're training never grow anyway. From, from like my experience, when I started obviously training, you start to then get used to knowing like machines and body parts and get more sort of depth, start to read a little bit more. And especially back then it was very much still kind of um, geared around big compound movements all the time. Um, and even at that time, the typical kind of bro split of training chest, back, shoulders, arms, legs, that was that was my split for probably like two three years uh, yeah. just because that's what that's what you've done that's what was meant to be. there was always a magazine when you went into the gym yeah. it was like muscle and flex or flex and roid <laughs> and it would always have some ridiculously jacked guy on it and it would have their training split which yeah. actually never looked back was the exact same training split as the guy from the week before um, and that means like 6,000 calorie diet and you're like right this is what I do I need to do this to get huge this is it yeah. there is nothing eventually way I got did you ever see the Arnold Schwarzenegger bodybuilding encyclopedia yes big thick book got that was like going through that and I mean some of the splits in there are ridiculous and I started doing something I was like that is it's Typical mentality as well. You're like, where should I start? Pro bodybuilder split. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I was, I'd done some like twice a day training, uh, working like just one, one body part in each session. Yeah. Um, this is some of the common mistakes you end up getting into, isn't it? When you first start the gym is that you probably going at a, I think if you're geared towards a physique development mindset, which, you know, not everyone goes into the gym first of all to do, but yeah, for me in particular, like that's kind of like been my mindset the whole way throughout. It's never really been more geared towards fitness. It's always been geared towards like physique development. Mm. Um, so immediately when you go in there, you look at the big compounds, like your bench press, your squat, deadlift, whatever else you can actually find in Flex and Sweat magazine. Um, and you start putting together some sort of program that makes yeah. absolutely no sense apart from to you. Um, and you're probably doing movements that are far too complex for you to be doing at that stage of your training because doing something like a deadlift or doing something like a squat requires a huge amount of skill and a lot of control over many different muscle groups at one time. Yeah. And now, not been taught how to do it either. Oh. Um, so you're, you're just guessing you have no idea and you're just like loading up I can do more I can do more even you think if something doesn't hurt immediately go ahead now. so essentially that's just setting you up to be in the wheelchair at some stage of your life um, and you get you get tired you get fatigued because you're you're hitting every single big movement in every single day that you can I mean I remember when I first 
when I very first went to my first kind of like bodybuilding-ish gym, yeah. I think I was in four times a week. Um, I don't know why. I'm not a powerlifter. I wasn't trying to do a power, but I'm pretty sure I was following like a powerlifting kind of style of program. Yeah. Because it's what you do, isn't it? You find something and you run with it. Mm. Um, but it's just way too much complexity for the, that place you're in. I mean, you're probably going to be best off as a newbie to the gym, sticking to machines, like allowing something to basically outline the movement pattern to you and you just follow it whilst working on having that muscle control. Yeah, and machines are designed for a reason because they follow a movement pattern and reduce some of that kind of thought process that they're going to stimulate the muscle that we're trying to stimulate while supporting you in other areas and to largely to isolate certain muscles obviously there are some machines where still do compound movements um obviously compound movement being that we're working at multiple joints um and isolation movements being single joint movements and past the point of being pedantic about it, where we go, well, all movements, uh, multiple joint, because on the leg, yeah. yes, we get that. But, you know, we're talking about like the, we all know what we mean by that. Yeah. I mean, like my, my finger twitched in a bicep curl. Does that make it compound? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people start off in that realm of, going down a specific kind of style of training, whether that's bodybuilding, whether that's powerlifting, CrossFit, Zumba, whatever it is. And they kind of think, I don't know. <laughs> never done it, but yeah, it looks fun. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it looks horrendous. <laughs> but we get kind of caught into these training, training ideals that, oh, like I have to be doing squat, bench, deadlift, because those are the big three key movement patterns and then forget everything else, forget every other movement pattern. And even if those, even if we can't do those movements or do them very well, we, for some reason, force ourselves to do them. Yeah. They're, they're quite interesting movements, aren't they? Because your gym career will usually go through like a, a weird kind of transition, like your style and you're probably going to be best suited to machine-based exercises. Mm. You'll progress in a little bit and acquire a little bit more skill. Yeah. Um, you might then transition to being uh, doing pretty well on using kind of big compound movements because you can stimulate many muscle groups at one time. You can provide a little bit of volume to each. Yeah. But you're not yet using enough weight that your fatigue is going to shoot through the roof before yeah. stimulant does. So you're kind of in that really nice kind of zone for it. And then eventually you're going to get strong enough where you're almost going to transition back to you're probably going to be better off on machines again or something like that, but avoiding too much heavily loaded compounds because, again, fatigue is going to be a huge factor for you. Yeah. I think if we, um, as we go through this, if we talk about some of the ways we combat some of these issues with clients that we work with in various kind of modalities, how we like to program and potentially like work with clients, I think that might be useful for the people that, well, the two people that are listening to this, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
yeah, <laughs> when I'm listening back to edit it. But going off that point, um, when working with a, a general kind of beginner to training, it's that balance of, okay, we want to start stimulating the muscle and get enough volume that we are progressing, overloading and working through that whilst potentially slowly increasing and adding in some technical work and education. But if you spend a whole session just trying to get someone to squat that's never squat before, they're not going to get it in one session. It, you, you've got to kind of marry the two up. You can't just put all your focus onto one of them and be like, oh, you've got to squat. Like, we have to do this because it's the best exercise for you to do. Like, yeah, like we can spend a little bit of time maybe as part of a, a warm up because obviously with technical movements, we don't really go into them really fatigued because that's not going to have a benefit then. But we could potentially do like a warm up, some light works at the beginning of a session when they're fresh and then move on to the stimulus mm -hmm. and then slowly adapt, increase and develop over time with that. Well, you could, uh, you could see it like using your stabilizers first to ride your bike. Like you get the loop and down, then you take the stabilizers off and you go on to the more complex issue of riding your bike. And I never actually mastered that bit, so I don't actually know. Past that stage, that's where my analogy ends. But <laughs> what you could always do is, uh, like what's wrong with, if you want to learn a squatting pattern, what's wrong with being put in the uh, leg press? What's wrong with learning that kind of squat, very, very similar squat pattern yeah. through a leg press, which is already guided or set in place. You can work on getting full range of motion, full depth. Um, you could even work on becoming a little bit more flexible at those angles that you want to be at. Yep. Before then transitioning over to a squat. I mean, I know sometimes you get that mentality that, I don't know. Do you remember the saying, like, no one cares what your leg press, bro, or stuff like that? Like, yeah, yeah. No one cares what you squat either, unless you're a powerlifter. Absolutely no one, no one cares. And unless you're a powerlifter, you don't have to squat. Like, at the end of the day, like, we're wanting to train to get a result uh, for the most part. Um, well, like, in physique development realms. Like, if you're training for a marathon, like go out and run don't worry about squatting like anyway but people only ask you what you lift if you look big yeah. that's the only time people ask you what you lift that's the only time people care as well and even then it's very rare and it's always guys so that is the only time and if you say to them do you know what i, I don't squat i leg press no one is going to question you instead they're going to go okay maybe i should leg press like that's going to be probably the reaction you get yeah and it doesn't matter like the weight you're lifting. Like the, the goal is to stimulate the muscle, put it under tension, contract, progressively overload and work that muscle. That's what's going to cause growth. And that's what we're aiming for. The, the method behind that doesn't really matter. Um, there's, there's different things that we can take into account. And a big one I, I feel is enjoyment factor if someone likes to squat, then yeah, we're going to get them to squat because if, if they like it, they're going to stick to it and they're going to enjoy progressively improving with it and overloading with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, like if, if things are pain free as well, like if you keep squatting and it's causing you all sorts of issues, like 
give it up. It's okay. Go on to a leg press. If, if the goal is physique development, the, the exercise matters a lot less than the progression. Yeah. I used to, so after the, the initial kind of bad training spell, I started to go into more kind of program training, which was more structured, but was still quite powerlifting, cross bodybuilding, like the um, like power building. There was that time where, I yeah. think it, was it about five, six years ago, where every single person was doing a powerlifter hypertrophy? Yeah. Like, yeah yeah and I, I really got on with that training like i liked it and i've done that for years um yeah. only until probably uh two about two years ago hurt my back um and then <laughs> been kind of struggling yeah struggling since that hadn't really trained legs a lot since that um but i was it was just a lapse of concentration i was i was squatting uh hips raised up first put stress through spine um and it hurt and then with other things that i was doing at the time it just caused this like kind of chronic pain um eventually stopped these other things like worked out why i was why i was there because it kind of carried on but then from that i would put a lot of emphasis to kind of more bodybuilding training went into like a deep cut got lean and put a lot more emphasis to upper body because i was very much kind of pyramid based like Big legs, little upper body, and kind of the reverse of a bro. Like me and, me and you both followed the same path with that. Very yeah, yeah. We're the we're the worst physique coaches here. Then. I mean, <laughs> you two listeners probably like sign off now. Go like revive stronger. Pretty yeah. Good <laughs> the better place. Someone looks like they actually train. But yeah, people quite often follow those those paths. Um, I was saying I followed more of like a powerlifting cross bodybuilding split and I was a bad trainer. I used to recommend all my clients like, oh yeah, we want to be deadlifting. We want to be squatting. Like all my programming was based around that. Like I'd open up a spreadsheet, go to program, be squat, bench, dead. You're like, that's be the first things I wrote in. And like, as you, as you learn over time, as you get more educated, you start to realize like, yeah, okay. There's other exercises. It's more individual to the person. And we've got to make smart choices and smart exercise selections in relation to that person. Obviously, that's what we're trying to cover a bit more today is making those smarter choices. So to quickly kind of recap some of that and to give a bit of a a case study in a sense, um, what would your kind of bullet point recommendations be for a beginner client? with exercise selection uh if it was an absolute beginner like super fresh into the gym yeah, new to the gym off of a circuit class um i'd probably stay away from compounds at the very start or at least from the the big compounds like your bench squat deadlift um and i'd probably put them onto like we're talking about slightly easier variations of those movements to to get the movement pattern itself. Not exactly easier in terms of workload, but just easier to get the movement. So for your uh, squat, we might start doing something like a leg press. Um, For your bench, we might be starting to do something like a chest press. Um, And for your deadlift, 
we might actually just break the movement down slightly <clears throat> to doing um, either something like a hip thrust uh, just to get the hip hinge pattern, uh, something like a lighter stiff leg deadlift, uh, yeah. or even although there is quite a high skill demand in it, but it is going to be simpler to pick up a deadlift, something like a hip extension uh, machine. Uh, yeah, just it's quite tough though, isn't it? Just to keep yeah. it in the glue. A tough one to learn is like a barbell hip thrust. As soon as like, and it's, it's taxing to load, get on, get off. Whereas if you can just sort of strap into machine and yeah. usually, I usually start on um, like a Smith machine with them. So the Smith yeah. machine hip thrusts yeah. work quite nicely. Um, it doesn't go all the way to the bottom, so getting yourself under the bar that's not a big issue. Um, loading weights onto the bar easier because it's already above the floor. Yep. Um, it just becomes like an easier variation of doing it than trying to load a natural barbell onto you every time. Yeah, you find a lot of people actually slate like a Smith machine, being like, "Oh, if you if you don't squat with just a barbell, if you squat with a Smith machine, it's not squatting." It's like, well, there's yeah. designed for a reason. Keeps everything more fixed, so we can break down the movement into smaller, easier kind of chunks, basically, and learn or focus on certain aspects. This is where the Smith machine can come in very handy. Uh, um, maybe it's not in like the initial stages of someone's like very start of the program, but it can almost be like an advancement tool that once someone has learned how to control their muscle through a leg press, we could put them onto a Smith machine to start working them through a squat pattern. Yep. And then they get that kind of range of motion in our, like, and, and get their eye in for the movement, uh, progress them up in that for a little bit before then maybe even progressing onto free weight. But to be honest, I was a little bit like you, like my general recommendations would always be that squat, bench, deadlift. Um, I think everyone's was that come from like the, the sort of like 2010 era yeah. of, of whatever. Um, but uh, these days it's less so. Um, there's always some sort of variation of those movements in there. But yeah. uh, it's just making sure that the person has enough skill level. And the the length of time that these things will last for with clients is realistically quite dependent on the client. So my first training block with an absolute new client will almost just be completely technique-based where we'll still lock down the, the weight they're lifting and we'll still lock down the reps they're doing but if they come in the next week and they say, do you know what, like my connection feels way better with that movement than it did the week before, and they got maybe a couple of less reps or maybe even use less weight, I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing. So that first training block is kind of a very, it's, it's not like that linear kind of progression that we normally see within a training block. It's a little bit more up and down, but we have end up eventually falling somewhere where we want to be. Um, whether that be one training block, whether that be two, or training phases, not block, the training phase or two training phases, yep. it really doesn't matter. Get them into a perfect place with them and then advance from there. What about yourself? Very, very similar, actually. Um, making things as kind of simple as possible. Usually take people through a kind of movement assessment and see what they can do, what they can't do. Or see some, I've had some, some beginners that out of the box knew how to squat and 
I'm like, well, great, let's roll with that. And on the other hand, I've had some people that just can't at, at all. And it might have like particular restrictions that there's no, there's no point even trying like at this, this point or this, this phase. And they don't have any specific want to need to um, going forward. So sometimes I won't even program in like that as a, a technique part. Um, I'll usually talk with the client and see, as, as I said earlier, like what they, what they like to do or what they would like to do. Cause quite often it can be a nice focus for that client. If there's a, a challenge for them to work on. So it's not just, okay, like we're just improving on numbers. If, if there's a separate element that they can focus on that they're learning a skill, if they want to, then it's nice to potentially include that. But beyond that, very, very similar to you. What about, um, kind of total variations of exercises within like sessions for example would you use utilize lots of different variations or keep things very simple in um, initial stages so like when someone first initially starts to train yeah. i would um, as many different things as possible uh, make sure there's a bowling ball involved uh, for the bands are involved somewhere to accommodate resistance <laughs> and just overall just say a lot of big words until eventually they pay me more money okay yeah, yeah. past that um <laughs> really i'm not going to keep it to very very simple i mean a big thing to understand when you very first enter the gym is that anything will work so i could get you to half squat with a 10 kilo dumbbell um, on a bowsuit ball if you wanted to. Yeah. Uh, and you would probably still grow some muscle from it. Now, how long before you broke your ankle? I don't know. But you would still develop something because at that stage, anything is going to work for you. What you're really doing in that initial stage is setting yourself up for success in future stages. So mm -hmm. if we keep everything as simplistic as possible at the beginning, uh, make sure that everything is nailed 100%. I kind of see this uh, as, as a beneficial factor for multiple reasons, which is one, obviously, you get really good at that movement pattern. Um, two, you start to understand the importance of having things like a, a specific range of motion that you're going to be covering and then progressing weight or progressing reps or progressing yeah. whatever within that range of motion, um, which is... Something you see lost a lot on people that are a little bit more advanced. Um, and it starts to show, I think, when you get so far into physique development, if you haven't had these kind of basics uh, hammered home to you. Uh, yeah. The stage where, you know, like you're having to handle quite a significant amount of load to actually get any kind of progression anymore. And usually your, your form's the failing point rather than um, your actual like ability to carry on progressing. Yeah, because you've not mastered those basics. Yeah. One thing I, I do like to do with fairly beginner um, clients is with sort of more smaller muscle groups, it might be like triceps or things like that, is 
between kind of training blocks, uh, training cycles, I will change some of those movements because I find sometimes, sometimes clients will connect better with just other different movements and it's good to experience these for more advanced people. You're probably going to know the exercises you connect well with and don't, but for like new, new beginner kind of trainers, we want to learn some of these elements and see what you get best connection with. And sometimes it is a case of going through these things, trying different, different movements, different bar grips, different width, like different loading parameters to see what you connect best with. Well, this is where you can sometimes get a very oversimplified approach for coming back to you from some people that you should never ever chase doms um, and the pump isn't that important. But really, those, those are two things that can be very good indicators to you that a movement has successfully challenged what you wanted to challenge. Like, yeah. I don't know if I'd use this uh, immediately with a client, but maybe by like the second training phase when the fundamentals are coming back a little bit more progressing into that then you can start going through some real kind of exercise variety where um a client might do a bicep curl one way uh, and not feel a whole lot of anything mm. uh, and they might do a bicep curl another way and their bicep is sore as hell the next day they got a massive pump during the workout now yeah. not saying you need to be sore as hell i'm not saying you need to have a pump every time but these are two things that give an indication that there's been a great stimulus imparted in the muscle. Now, if we don't want to be sore as hell, we can easily just, you know, take back some volume. So instead of three sets, we can do two sets or maybe we can stop a little bit further away from failure. But the fundamentals of it are the same. Like you've, you've received a great pump into the area and you've got um, a good amount of soreness the next day, which are great indicators that that's a good stimulus. Yeah, and it very much comes down to that that Goldilocks zone, especially with DOMS and pump. It's you want to get enough so you know that, as you're saying, it's an indicator that you know there's been that stimulus, but you don't want, for example, with soreness too much that it's affecting subsequent sessions. Yeah. And that is probably a big mistake that a lot of people have made. I made myself like early on, you just try and hammer yourself as hard as you can every session and well, again, it's the the plight of the fitness industry is that we we do love um, extremes. So, yeah, if you're gonna be sore, you want to be sore and written off. Um, if someone tells you it's not good to be sore like that, you go, we don't want any soreness at all. And yeah. <laughs> the real answer is kind of somewhere in the middle there, where like, yeah, a little bit of soreness, but completely recovered by the next time you train that muscle. Maybe that's actually pretty decent. A lot of things come back to that. It's probably somewhere in between. Like, but a lot of the fitness industry like is extremes, one end or the other. But yeah, most people's probably in between that Goldilocks zone. Just be sensible. Don't be a dick. It's usually a lot of uh, regurgitation. Regurgitation is the Chinese whispers goes downstream. Eventually, it ends in something. Someone very smart said something very kind of open-ended and like maybe and then eventually it fills down and someone's telling you absolutely not yeah okay so 
how about if we move on to a more advanced trainer? So like an intermediate to advanced, someone that's like pretty proficient with their training. How should they and why should they apply more focus to exercise selection and what would you do with them? Um, so I suppose the first consideration is that fatigue starts to become a huge variable in a lot of lifts. Uh, yes. Management. So if we're talking about like a, let's take a deadlift, for example, yeah. if we're talking about like a beginner, maybe a beginner is going to start somewhere around between like the bar weight and up to a hundred kilos, let's say, which is going to present a great stimulus for them to grow from uh, because it's continuously more, but the fatigue effect for it isn't going to be as crazy high just due to the actual overall load not being ridiculous. Whereas by the time you get to a more of an advanced realm, maybe that's 100 kilos is now 250 kilos. Um, and we've got to deal with axial fatigue, we've got to deal with systemic fatigue, and we're, we're now starting to uh, finish three sets of deadlifts. Yes. Right, but yet we've still got all of that work to do afterwards and how we put it in. Because with, with those like movement patterns, like if systemic fatigue increases way too much we're going to be moving away from that local muscular fatigue which we want to be working more towards stimulate that muscle especially in physique development realms like strength training is and like powerlifting those things is a different aspect but we still got to take those factors into account within that but we're still going to want to provide enough stimulus to that muscle and that's our end goal just to just to clarify this like if you're wondering what like local fatigue and systemic fatigue are going to be like uh picture local fatigue to be like doing bicep curls and afterwards you're like going to flex your bicep and you're like oh my god like you know like can't can't really do that like that's but you feel okay you don't feel like you need to go and have a nap you just you know your biceps like kind of messed yeah. up it's, it's the muscle that's been that limiting factor exactly so local fatigue is that and systemic fatigue is going to be like nothing particularly feels beaten up like no one muscle you're not squeezing anything and thinking jesus but instead you just actually feel like you need to go take a nap yeah you, you get to the point where your ass is dragging into that gym you're looking at the weights you're like i don't, I don't want to i want to go home i don't want to do it Exactly. So we, we want to, uh, in the world of like physique development, we want to impart a lot of local fatigue to whatever we're working. Anyway, yeah. not a lot of local fatigue, but we, we're going to be, that's going to be something that's going to be our, our main want is like that local area being the, the limiting factor rather than our either ability to load the spine, which would be like the axial uh, fatigue, or just systemically that we're so fried from some deadlifts and some squats that we did earlier that now we're trying to do some bicep curls and our bicep numbers have gone from sort of like 20 reps and 20 kilos down to two reps and we, we feel like we need to sleep. Yeah. So in this situation, this is where we can take into account increased exercise numbers because we can squat as well as leg press as well as leg extensions and put more emphasis to that opposed to being like okay we're just going to keep things basic and progress overload with you we can start to pair exercises and 
put a bit more effort to exercise selection and programming. Definitely. I mean, I suppose with a with an advanced um, trainee, it's going to come down to real kind of monitoring how much volume they're, they're going to be able to handle and how much volume per exercise and remembering that, like we just said, like some of those exercises are going to be more tiring. So if we're trying to um, reach, let's say, uh, between, we'll, we'll use the like rough numbers between 10 and 20 sets for hamstrings mm -hmm. on the advanced trainee. We do have the opportunity, sure, to go, okay, we're going to do like five sets of deadlifts on one day and we're going to do five sets of um, RDLs on another day and, you know, another three sets of stiff leg deadlifts on another day. Like, yeah, cool, but the chances are systemic fatigue is going to rise so quickly that you're going to be deloading by week two. Whereas maybe we could fit in, you know, a few sets of these wherever, um, but then we can make up a large part of the volume with like hamstring curls, which are uh, hamstring curls or um, seated hamstring curls. <laughs> That's a bit <laughs> laying hamstring curls. Or <laughs> I swear I do work at a gym. I promise. Um, Just one without a seated hamstring curl. <laughs> I'm too busy trying to say systemic fatigue again in my head, um, but that's going to provide a hell of a lot less systemic fatigue, a hell of a lot less axial fatigue, and it's going to provide um, that kind of local fatigue towards that area that we want to. Yeah. Potentially making up a big bulk or a bigger bulk of our training volume with that kind of work as we become more advanced is going to be advantageous. Yeah, definitely. What else can we, what other considerations are there for exercise selection that you can really think of that make it so important to actually consider within your programming? Um, I suppose we can go through like the basics, which is going to be the, you know, some, some lifts don't fit certain people or especially some variations of some lifts. Yes. Yeah. So if you are um, someone with particularly long femurs, so between your knee and your hip, is a very very large area um maybe you don't want to be doing things like close stance squats like maybe that's not going to be a good idea for you. maybe you're going to be someone that might do better with a huge wide stance yeah. uh, and again this is just going to come down to your individual mechanics yeah and whether you're going to be better off doing like a high bar squat or low bar or with deadlifts whether sumo is going to be better suited to you or conventional lift and a lot of people especially in the powerlifting world i see this a lot like slate on sumo because it's not the typical the right way to do it but it's it is for some people yeah. It's going to have different loading pattern it's going to feel very different and for some people it's just going to suit them better Definitely, definitely. I mean, some, some, literally some people can do some things that some can't. And I mean, even simple things like if we're going to talk about, I mean, I don't think there's a huge need for it. Um, but if we're going to low bar squat in a physique development world, yeah. we're going to have shoulder mobility to get into that kind of position. Yeah. Or whether we want to bench press, like maybe pressing movements aren't going to be as effective for us if we have like a flat chest. Um, versus called like more of a barrel rounded chest, maybe yeah. a fly pattern might be better for us. But again, a lot of this stuff doesn't mean that 
we necessarily have to um, go and measure all our body parts beforehand or have someone on hand to tell us straight away, although it can be a huge benefit. What we can actually do is rely on feedback from the exercises. So did I get a good pump in the muscle that I wanted to work? Did I feel soreness to some degree in that muscle afterwards? Was the muscle I wanted to work the limiting factor to the lift or did I have to stop because my joints hurt or my hips hurt? Yeah. Did it, did it feel uncomfortable for the right reasons or the wrong reasons? Basically. And yeah. we, can, we can go through a simple, um, a simple kind of checklist like this that will, will give us a real good indication of whether that lift is right for us. And sure, sometimes your form might just be slightly off and might need tweaking and you can kind of play around with that. But the difference is like you're not going to get injured or there's a very limited chance that you're going to get injured from that one session you did with that one exercise. Unless you lo loaded it stupidly heavy straight away, which at the end of the day, you were probably going to get hurt doing something. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe just avoid the gym and go to that legs bumps and thumbs cuts. But if you are smart enough to be kind of taking into uh, consideration these factors we're talking about, you're also probably smart enough not to load the bar stupidly heavy straight away, which means you're also probably going to be able to go through a few sessions of figuring out whether close stance squats are right for you or whether you need to go into a wider stance. And from each set to set, you can go, eh, that didn't feel quite right. Let me take my feet out another inch. Eh, that didn't feel quite right. Let's try another one. And then all of a sudden, you might sit into that position where you're like, cool, brilliant. That feels fantastic. Yeah. And that's where like longevity of training comes in as well. Not just on kind of health joints movement, but in terms of enjoyment of training, because you might want to start to potentially like work on certain movements, certain areas that after you've hit some like points where you're happy with your physique and you're a couple of years into your training and you might not want to put a lot of focus onto that physique development stuff. I'm just going to stop you there. Did you say happy with your physique? <laughs> yeah, uh, no one's ever happy, but you know, when you realize it takes, it's taken a long time to build muscle. But you can start to put a little bit more emphasis to learning like specific movements. Like if you, if you wanted to, you could try learning some Olympic lifting, but again, that's going to be, very difficult needing a uh, good shoulder mobility and things like that and it's a different tr training modality completely but if you wanted to you could um you do see this all the time though you see people that go from let's say usually most people that start in the gym start in the physique development scope and then they yes. move into powerlifting if they do they move into crossfit they move into whatever that other type of crossfit is that's out now that <laughs> they don't like to be called crossfit they move into yeah. that. Um, yeah. You can go into it. There's nothing wrong with going into whatever you want. But I do often wonder if there'd be that such high transition rate if people went into physique development with a little bit more kind of... Good understanding um, of how to do it properly. Like they go into physique development and feel like they're not getting the results that they should be, but there's this new shiny thing like CrossFit, uh, powerlifting or something performance-based that, oh, this is the next magic thing that's... With things like that, they, 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 
kind of work off of quite sound principles straight away. And don't get me wrong, there's still some shoddiness to it sometimes with some places, but they work quite off quite sound principles. Yeah. And I do wonder, like, if people went into physique development understanding that there's actually some really solid principles that we can follow and there's a real deep kind of science to it that can be applied, I do wonder if people would stick with it a bit more. I'm saying yeah. that most people drop out. Obviously, loads of people do physique development. It's like something. Yeah, but I've noticed as well it has that that longevity kind of point where people don't progress past a certain time within focusing on that. Um, one point I was going to raise as well is with kind of going back to how we were saying earlier about multiple different uh, exercises for like beginners like once we get to a more advanced stage we're gonna know the exercises that we connect with well and so once we know that aspect like programming becomes quite simple because like we can program in the right exercises and pair them and then they don't change majorly between training cycles we're going to change rep ranges we're going to change like um we might change like from if we're doing like perhaps like training volume will be slightly escalating as from one training phase into the next training phase and then potentially after that you might be looking at doing more of like your metabolite pump style work and potentially after that you might look at it going into like resensitization or people call it strength phases sometimes or whatever Mm -hmm. else like there'll be like that nice periodized approach and maybe for that whole that whole block would be called like a macro cycle. Maybe for that macro cycle, exercises don't change tremendously. Maybe they're fairly similar. And if they do, maybe it's like the single joint exercises where it doesn't take that long to relearn a tricep extension. Yeah. And changes beyond that are going to be very infrequent and you're just going to change it and then spend a long time with that new one. You're not going to be changing over and over and over again like very quickly looking for really you're looking for a couple of things if you want to change an exercise you're looking for pain from the exercise obviously if it's discomfort then then sure um or if the movement has stalled itself uh, so if it's not advancing anymore but again yeah. give it a couple of weeks to know for definite and also pay attention to your other lifts that work that same similar muscle group now yeah your lifts that work that same similar muscle group have also stalled there's a good chance that it's not the muscle that's stalled well it is the muscle that's stalled but not because of the movement because of potentially it's doing too much and you've actually surpassed what it can handle recover um and progress from so you might even need to deload just that muscle within that training cycle itself perfect i think we've covered most of the 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 key points from there did you want to just kind of summarize the last what half hour or so up um just um, the key kind of takeaways around sort of exercise selection of why we should focus okay. on that okay get big get sexy fuck power lifters um fuck that <laughs> other thing that's like crossfit but not crossfit they do all like that enom mom stuff <laughs> um, well the mech exercise possible at the start because you don't know what you might enjoy and who even cares about their joints anyway i can get new ones i'm on yes um and that's pretty much it you yeah i mean uh <laughs> pretty something like 
I'm, I'm holding out that we can get some like um, full on replicated joints, just like titanium, just you know, bionic, bionic. Yeah. You're yeah. already that's, that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> um, yeah, we're looking at the the start of training, the very very beginning of training. Keep stuff simple. Uh, work as isolated to a joint as you can, maybe at the start, to make sure you've got full control over the muscle in question. Um, then progressing on to your compound lifts onto like machine based variants where you can have a guided path. Um, yep. Make sure you're concentrating on things like full range of motion. Uh, make sure you're making any tweaks to those movements to better fit your individual mechanics. So one person's squatting position will not be your squatting yeah. position. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the same just because it's good for them. So make it fit to make sure that you can get the biggest range of motion possible to you safely with no pain. Um, from there, we can advance a little bit more into the compound work, um, which can be barbell. You don't even have to. You don't even have to transition onto just doing like deadlifts and squats with a barbell if you don't want to. If you do want to, please do so. Um, they're, they're fairly decent at that stage because you can get a good bang for your buck exercise. Uh, many different muscle groups getting stimulus at the same time. Um, as we advance further, maybe then that's our time to potentially even start to come away from them a little bit again um, to save on things like fatigue. Um, cool. What else was there? Sorry, I got lost in CrossFit again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's all right. Um, I guess like my biggest focuses are to, there's no exercise that you have to do. Like you choose the exercises that fit you that fit your stage of training and that work well for you, that you can get the best contraction and that fit in with your programming. I actually, I take all of what I just said away, delete it all. I've got it. Okay. Right. Here we go. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but seriously, one uh, an easy way to think about it. If we really want to do it is use the exercises. I literally did a post on this the other day, but use the exercises feedback to plan where you want to go. So whether yeah. Exercise is giving you a good pump towards the muscle, uh, whether you're feeling a bit of soreness afterwards, um, not too much soreness, not too much discomfort in joints. The muscle that you want to work has become the limiting factor. So yeah. if you're doing squats, you can't do any more squats because your quads, not because of your lower back. Um, then you're going to be pretty much in a good place. Now, if you get feedback from those things for multiple weeks in a row that they're not really working out for you, then maybe that's a good time for you to kind of come away from that exercise and yeah try something else perfect right i think we'll wrap it up there um hopefully you've enjoyed this episode it's been useful again subscribe to it whatever you're listening to like whether it's spotify apple podcast youtube give it a thumbs up like subscribe all that jazz we uh we appreciate the shares on instagram as well yeah. yes I don't want to work forever. And if I'm going to get a paid sponsorship, I need <laughs> you guys to bring that up for me. Yep. Listen, share it with your family. Yep. Dogs. Don't let them shit in the bed. Exactly. Perfect. And yeah. we'll keep, uh, we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye.